Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <Fun>, Goodman. <laughs> and I am in your debt for choosing to spend a bit of time with us on this little program. I know at any second you could turn off the show and do something way more impactful in your life than listening to a bunch of underachievers trying to crank out an episode of some dumb, you know, radio show. So we're going to do our best not to let you down. And, and if we do, then uh, I apologize in advance, okay? Right now, why don't we get this thing started by me introducing our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Um... Could you please dial up an enthusiastic belly laugh for us all? Uh, a belly laugh yeah. right off the bat mm-hmm. with no warm-up? Well, I just assume you did the necessary pre-show vocal stretching necessary, you know, for a good belly laugh. If you feel you might hurt yourself, then I'll, I'll accept a decent chuckle. Well, I can do that. <laughs> but... Just be aware that a competent belly laugh is best done well into the show when my vocal cords have gotten up to speed. I'm not a kid, you know. Right. My bad, Aunt Dorothy. Okay. Great chuckle, by the way. Thank you. Okay, now I will bring on our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, Someone start the clock. You have 12 seconds. Go. 12 seconds? Yeah. Uh, Okay, my name is Gerald Holcomb, and I am so excited as we have a great show today, and I really... Uh, Well said. And now I need to bring on our show's intern, Chance. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to read out loud the the little script management gave me to promote you, so I'm going to let my Aunt Dorothy introduce you. Uh, Go ahead if you want, Aunt Dorothy. Really? I appreciate it. Now, I would like to introduce someone who has been placed on earth to elevate us all. Yes, I am a little biased as he is the love of my life, but he is also a very important spokesman for his generation, a seminal voice that continues to inspire so many. Here he is, the most popular person on this program. I don't think so. My sweetie, Chance. Say something, babe. Okay, my name is Chance, and I guess I am a seminal voice that inspires a lot of people. When I started this internship, I had no idea I would blow up like this. I mean, before I had like 75 Instagram followers, and now, well, I'll have to check to see, but let's just say I'm considered an influencer these days. Courtney, Chloe. So I'll let Spud do this thing now and assume my intern duties, but... 
Know that I am aware I am highly overqualified for my current position. Being gifted can be a real burden when you just want to chill and play video games on your phone. Okay, I'm done. Uh, dude, that, that State of the Union address could have been edited down significantly. But any, anyway, yeah. But the topic I wanted to bring up on oh, this Spud, episode Spud, is really... whatever you want to bring up would pale in comparison to the most important issue now facing America. We are experiencing a moral Armageddon in our elementary schools. The liberal indoctrination and grooming machine is attempting to make our preschoolers into transvestites. Um, they uh, see... no, excuse me, no one is uh, bringing the Rocky horror picture show to our elementary schools. Uh, you need to tune out Fox News, dude. You think we're bad for America? You think yeah. I'm bad for America? I'm not familiar with that Rocky show you mentioned, but you have to be blind right now to not see what's happening to our children in public schools. They have become gay factories. Um, I think it'd be actually... I'm very upset about this, and we need to take a stand. I have a cousin who's in the third grade, and he's not gay yet. His older sister, who is like 24, it's possible she is. I haven't asked her, but he was kind of an unplanned deal for my aunt and uncle. Gerald, I think you're exaggerating things like you normally do. Yes! Yeah, you might want to check in on your little cousin chance, as it could happen any Day now. I'm so grateful for the leadership of that great American governor, Ron DeSantis in Florida. He's not as great as the greatest president ever, Donald Trump, but he's pretty darn great. Gerald, are you actually supporting that dumb, don't say gay law in Florida? Well, it's based on a bunch of hooey. No elementary teacher is teaching kids to be gay. Oh my God. Uh, doesn't that new law make it a fireable offense for a classroom teacher if he or she acknowledges that there are gay people actually in the world? I mean, what are they supposed to do if a kid with gay parents mentions them in a show-and-tell session in class? Uh, yeah, I, I know the law doesn't order the kid to be publicly stoned, but it goes after the only people in this country willing to spend their days in a room full of insolent and often quite smelly little rugrats. You know, instead of trying to censor them, you should be holding parades for those willing to sacrifice their sanity doing their jobs as teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, nobody forced them to become teachers. They could have gone into sales or the military. Uh, what is wrong with you? Uh, do, do, do you ever get tired of screaming about all the big bad boogeymen around you? J just take it down a notch right now, okay? I need to play some music. So uh, let's lead off uh, with this band from Seattle. Here are the Wimps with a song off their 2018 record, Garbage People. It's titled Quitter. Ever since I quit smoking now every day is such a drag I know it's in my best interest but why do I feel just as bad Remember when I quit drinking now my nights never been so Small stuff, forget the little things 
The Spud Goodman Show. Hi everyone, this is Olivia Newton-John and you're on The Spud Goodman Show. Spud, your first guest, Mary Lynn Ricegub, is waiting to speak with you. Now, I'm not familiar with her. Is she an actress? Yes, and a comedian, and now an author, too, as she has a new book out. Mary Lynn has been in a few of the most important comedy programs on TV in history, okay? Mr. Show and the Larry Sanders Show. Uh, I I thought you would have remembered her, though, from the Fox series 24. I know you love that show, right? Oh, she was on 24. Yeah, she was. Okay, this is so exciting. I miss that show and Jack Bauer so much. Uh, You know, bad guys around the world knew then to never mess with us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Yes, Kiefer Sutherland was quite good on that in that role. But it was just a TV show, Gerald. It was not real. Well, all I know is Jack kept us safe in the years it was on. Yeah. Yeah, If you say so. Uh, Can you put Mary Lynn through as I have a bunch of questions I want to ask her? You got it. Here she is. Say hello to actress, comedian, and now author Mary Lynn Ricegub. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. What's going on? Well, uh, there is something going on. You have a new book out titled Famish, My Life at the Edge of Stardom, now available at Amazon. So how does it feel to add author to the resume? You know what? It feels amazing. Um, It was very daunting when you take on something that's massive like that. It's, It's that metaphor of being on on the road at night in the dark and you just see what's ahead of you and get through it. But it was very exciting for me because it was the beginning of COVID. All my jobs got canceled and I I pivoted and was able to have the time to reflect and write this book. All right. All right. Well, I got to say this for those who are not aware, you were a cast member of two of the most significant comedy shows ever broadcast, Mr. Show and the Larry Sanders Show, both on HBO. Uh, With that start to your career, how tough was it to later be given scripts of, say, mediocre comedy pilots? It's like you graduated from Harvard or MIT and was later offered an honorary degree from Trump University. Kind of a letdown at times, maybe? Whoa, I like your style. I like your angle. I like what you're laying down and you know I look back at that time in my life when I moved to Los Angeles and I was surrounded by you know obviously the shows that you said Larry Sanders and Mr. Show but the whole crowd I hung out with it was you know Janine Garoppolo, Kathy Griffin, uh, Molly Shannon, Will Ferrell, Jack Black it was all these incredible people so that was a very um uh, creatively fertile time in my life mm-hmm. that led to the Larry Sanders show and Mr. Show, both of which I write about in the book, Famous, My Life at the Edge of Stardom. But yeah, you make a good point, you know, and I've, I've, I've been lucky throughout my career to kind of be drawn to things and have things work that were meant for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, usually if it's a real clunker, it doesn't work out for me. We all have those. Right, right, right. That I've been fired, and maybe not a lot of things I've done that weren't um, a number one on the list. But Mm -hmm. 
Well, I was going to ask you. I, I'm a massive fan of of Gary Shandling, Gary Shandling's work. May he rest in peace. Uh, I understand he was at times kind of a perfectionist on the set. How was he as a boss to work with? Um, you know what's funny? I swear to God, you're leading me into something that that I write about in the book because I had this amazing experience with him. I talk about how I got on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he was a perfectionist because he cared so much and his vision was so clear and so unique and so deep. I mean, I can remember reading the script and I was so green at the time, I didn't really get it until the table read when the characters read it because the humor was so based in character, mm-hmm. which to me is like, I love that's like what's the highest form of comedy when it comes so deeply from how flawed the character is, is what makes it funny when you hear it through those characters. Um, but he really cared deeply about what he was doing and he was one of those artists that would just keep going back into it until it was just time to put it up on its feet. Um, and he gave me a lesson on the job because I was kind of running on instinct and, um, you know, just just my, you know, by my wits. I didn't really deeply study acting. And he looked at me during a scene and he said, what are you thinking? Meaning my character, meaning subtext, which is probably the biggest thing you can learn about acting. Mm-hmm which I wasn't doing, and he called me out on it, um, that I was just saying the lines without any backstory or without any thought given to what, what was going on with the character. So from that moment on, you know, it changed my approach to every scene I did. Okay. Well, that's that's really... I, I'm excited to read the book, but... Um, no, you, you later were cast on the very popular Fox series 24, uh, taking on a dramatic role as Chloe O'Brien. Was was the high public profile thing a bit of an adjustment for you? Oh, yeah. That was, it was very intimidating because when I started on the show, it was already a massive hit. So it was very scary, but it was also really exhilarating and you know, I've been very lucky to kind of be able to learn on the job because I got thrown into being on a drama, which I had never done before. And that also came along with doing all these press events and doing all these red carpets and things like that, which, you know, when you've never done that before, it's pretty scary because people still to this day love, love, love that show. So I had to fill those shoes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, that is kind of a theme of the book. When I say famous, my life at the edge of stardom, it's about these incredibly larger-than-life situations and then the reality of what's really going on with you, you know, and how you how you navigate through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I read an excerpt uh, from the book, a, a really brief one, uh, about the, le- the late Rush Limbaugh laying an unwanted kiss on your lips at a gathering in D.C. The, the show was the darling of the right in that era, but I guess you maybe yeah. got a little blowback from your friends, maybe? I don't know. I, I did, and, you know, that's a great example of being thrown into something totally bizarre that you couldn't have predicted because of the show's massive popularity which at the time, you know, people from the right loved it. People from the left loved it as well. But we were at this symposium, this talk about the show where they had the cast and the producers and Rush Limbaugh was moderating. 
and he was saying hello to me. And this was already awkward. It's like when you're at a cocktail party and someone goes to hug you and you're like, oh, we're hugging, like I didn't know. Well, he went to kiss me on the cheek, I thought, which was already kind of odd. But then he kissed me on the lips and there were tons of photographers there taking photos. And then a lot of people, even an ex-boyfriend of mine was like, are you dating Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> no. But looking back on it, it's like he knew what he was doing. I don't know how much thought or if he's just like, that's what I do. But I didn't realize there were photographers there. And also I didn't realize what was happening in the moment because it happened so fast, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of so, guessing maybe that move wasn't his first time uh, going with that one. But yeah. Exactly. And that, you know, however you want to interpret that, you'll never know. God rest his soul, but you, you will never know that may have just been his behavior. Yeah. What he did, you yeah. know, how he expresses himself, but it was very weird for me and not, you know, not wanted by me and not a choice that I would have made. But right. here we are. Uh, excuse me, Spud. Yes. Well, as you know, Rush Limbaugh has been one of my role models in my career in radio, and yeah, we all miss him dearly. Yeah. So, I don't understand how anyone could be anything but grateful for Rush giving them a kiss. Uh, I know I would have been so honored myself. You know, what could be a more warm and gracious greeting? Uh, Mary Lynn, I need a sec here. I know you idolize that guy, but you just don't pull yeah. that move with women when you first meet them. Well, Come on. Yeah, but I've seen it so many times over the years. Some men seem to think they are giving women a special gift by sneaking a kiss when you least expect it. Oh, I hope he didn't go with tongue, too. Oh, Mrs. Jarvitz, Rush was a romantic. He loved women, so uh, he was very open in showering them with affection. Oh, brother. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mary Lynn prefers to shower alone. Uh, I don't know that for sure. I'm just guessing. Just let me finish this interview up with her. Yeah, very well. But please, don't make any more snide Rush Limbaugh remarks. I'll try my best. Okay, I'm back. All right, well, I know you got a whole lot of stuff to do. Uh, so let me say again that you have a new book out titled Famish, My Life at the Edge of Stardom, now available at Amazon. We really, really appreciate you spending some time with us. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right, there you have it, Ms. Mary Lynn Ricegump. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. Hey, we're Lil Holmes. We're here on the Spud Goodman Show. Thank you all for tuning in. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So, getting back to what I was trying to warn you, Spud, and our listeners about, I think you liberals call it uh, don't say hey, gay, or wh whatever it is. And, and, of course, that's not an accurate account of this new movement sweeping across America. 
All we conservatives are trying to do is save our nation's grade school students from being turned into homosexuals. And listen, if we don't act, then our high schools will soon be having all-male cheerleading squads, all uh, transsexual linemen on the football teams, and, and only homecoming queens each prom. And we can't allow this to happen. Chill out, man. Our, our schools were doing just fine before the right-wing media machine first started screaming about that bogus CRT tall tale. Uh, and now that that one's been drained of all its value, it's on to the grooming of our elementary school children by pedophile teachers. Do you understand how ridiculous this is? That's ridiculous. Gerald, I would feel sorry for people like you falling for this line of crap, but... Really, you're doing real damage to so many people. I know Fox News and other outlets like that uh, would, would take a hit ratings-wise by laying off this new big lie, but, uh, but you guys still, I mean, come on, you still have those migrant caravans and Hunter's laptop. Yeah, Fox and Friends starts right now. It wouldn't be that big a deal to just lay off this one, okay? It's just really creepy. It is. I wouldn't want to be a grade school kid today. With all the books they're taking out of the school libraries and words that you can't say in class, I would think about getting my GED in bypass middle and high school. Good call, yo. That chance all of our students could be protected if parents made the responsible decision to homeschool their children uh, until this situation has been sorted out, especially in the blue states like ours here in Washington. Uh, don't you and your wife send your kids uh, to public schools? Well, we're forced to do so. As as you know, I have two jobs currently, my position here on the show, and... Uh, temporary uh, temporary co-host. Well, temp permanent temporary co-host. And my other position as lead salesman uh, uh, this month at L South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. <laughs> Yes, Rachel is a housewife, but she is very busy with activities in the community. She takes a ceramics class a couple of days a week and has recently begun oboe lessons. Uh, so she played it as a young girl in her school's orchestra. It's hard for some homeschool kids to play in any school orchestra, you know. I never would have let my, my parents try to homeschool me for sure. Well, I wanted to get out of the house and meet someone other than family members. It's a, it's a good thing my dad was always gone gambling somewhere and my mom constantly doing community theater productions. You know, she hardly ever got any lines in place, but she never missed a rehearsal. I, I think she felt she could be discovered by talent scouts at any time, so she'd just take any part. Yeah, I don't know if any of you on this show are also aware of the furry movement so popular in our grade schools. Oh, our geez. teachers, yeah, our teachers are encouraging their students to choose a non-gender identity by dressing up as various animals. I read litter boxes have been put out in some classrooms. You stupid, ignorant son of a dumb Look, you know Chance has been into the furry scene for a while, and he, he doesn't I, seem I to know. need a litter box. Uh, here at work, at least, I, I don't think he dresses up like a cat, you know, but, uh, you know, and I never, never believed that litter box story going around. Uh, I think I think I might have saw I think I might have seen something on, on Fox News about it. Chance, back me up on this one. Well, yes, I have been active in the furry community for a while. And yeah, that litter box story is a bunch of bunk. 
people in the furry community use a bathroom just like everyone else. We are not freaks. It's just an alternative lifestyle. Well, I've found nothing sordid or or unacceptable in the furry community. I wasn't aware of it prior to dating Chance, of course, but now I have to say the get-togethers they put on are a lot of fun. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. Really, you should drop by one sometime, Gerald. Oh, I most certainly will never attend one of those furry events, Mrs. Jarvitz. Hell will freeze over. I think it would do you a lot of good if you would drop by one. No, I, I'd no. be willing to drive you. You know, I, I'm not big on costumes, but for you, I'd be willing to rent some kind of furry outfit. Oh. Just, just think about it, all right? But right now, we need to bring on our next guest. Oh, yeah, and Spud, I'm being told by the board that your next guest, Alfonso Herrera, is Herrera. waiting to is it Herrera? Yes. Sorry, I should have looked it up on Google. Now, who? I don't know him. Who is this guest? Uh, well, right now, it's probably the most seen bad guy on the TV screen this year. Have you not seen the final season of Ozark yet? Alfonso Herrera plays Javi, a cartel gangster on it. Oh. Come on. It's a very bad man, by the way, on the show. Oh, boy. Alfonso is so damn hot. I found myself overlooking his bad behavior on the series. Ozark. Okay, okay. Does that show have anything to do with Branson, Missouri? Because it, it's close, you know. My, my wife and I try to get there every few years to enjoy the finest in country music. The finest or the oldest? Well, And no, this show has nothing to do with Branson, okay? Uh, but that's right. Uh, you don't have Netflix, huh? And, or Hulu. Or Prime. Okay. Or okay. Apple. I'll have or, you know. Um, I'll have you know. We do have that uh, Peacock, I think, channel because it's free. The only problem is they have that uh, MSNBC there. What are you objectifying on? Uh, just put Alfonso through as I have a bunch of things I want to ask him. Yeah. Okay. And Netflix, huh? You, I mean, you sure talk about that Netflix channel all the time. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> Say hello to actor Alfonso Herrera. Thank you so very much for coming on our show. No, thank you for the invitation. I'm really, really glad to be here. Thank you. Well, for anybody who has access to Netflix, you are quite recognizable these days as you appear in the final season of Ozark and play one of the baddest bad guys around, Javi Alessandro uh, of the Navarro Cartel. I won't lie, I went through the final season in about 48 hours, and you made me, and I'm sure millions and millions of others, very uncomfortable. That's a good thing for an actor. You were great. Well, thank you for the compliment. I, I really appreciate it. It was a very fun character to play in such an amazing story with scripts that were so well written with directors that uh, really understood the tone, the essence of, of the story, and obviously being part of such an amazing crew that that made things much more easier. And we really, oh, and I can speak uh, for all, we really enjoyed our, our time on set. I was thinking, did coming on board for the final season of Ozark present any challenges for you as as the main cast, you know, was well entrenched in their roles at that time? Of course, it's a great responsibility and, and, and you feel the pressure. I mean, going to set for the first time and knowing that you were going to be uh, having scenes with incredible and such talented actors, of, of course there's a responsibility. And knowing that they've delivered in a way that three seasons that have already passed mm -hmm. are a huge success. 
mm-hmm. because of their work, because of their level of commitment. Obviously, you you feel some kind of pressure, but at the same time, that pressure is um, it's a luxury. It's a luxury that I enjoyed uh, having, and uh, and as I'm a lucky guy. Okay. In 2016, you starred in the Fox series The Exorcist, playing a priest, Father Thomas uh, Ortega. Uh, for me, it doesn't get any scarier than anything to do with exorcisms. Did, did the producers have you sit in on a real exorcism or anything to prepare for the role? Well, we have two uh, Ben Daniels, the character that plays... Um, uh, um, um, Ben, you're gonna kill me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, Marcus Keen. Uh, we have to understood all the, the the process of of exorcisms and what it needs and it, what it takes for the Vatican in order to approve an exorcism. So there are like there's a protocol in order to perform mm-hmm. perform one. So we. <laughs> We weren't on, 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 on a real exorcism, but we have access to tapes, to material of, of exorcisms um, in different parts of the world. Uh, did the role ever creep you out at all? I mean, just, I don't know, that, that would be intense for me. It is intense, it is intense. Um, you have to treat those matters with respect. There is light, there is darkness, there is this duality in life. It is what it is. And there are more things, and this is my personal opinion, there are more things that occur and that exist uh, that we don't see. I mean, we live in a physical world, but there are other dimensions. There are other uh, things that occur that exist to the blind eye, and, um, and we need to be respectful with that. It doesn't matter if you're a Catholic, if you're a Christian, if you're practicing Islam, Judaism. Uh, that reality exists. That reality is there. And uh, and you have to be respectful yes. with that duality. Yes. Uh, Spud? What? Well, if I may interject here. As you know, we in the Mormon Church do not perform exorcisms. But I think they probably do serve a purpose for those who are struggling and need help. Uh, have you given any thought to maybe looking into an exorcism? I, I mean, not today, but possibly down the road sometime? Uh, Alfonso, I, I need a brief moment here. What the hell are you mumbling about me getting an exorcism? Gerald, that is kind of presumptuous. What makes you think Spud needs to be exorcised? And if that ritual is even real? Well... Everyone knows that Spud often loses his moral compass, and I've always felt that demons were probably responsible for most of the bad decisions that he's made in his life. I haven't made that many bad decisions. Oh, I think the demons are talking now, Spud. Your life is one big mess. Don't close the door to one of those exorcisms. I mean, uh, what do you have to lose? I think I'm doing just fine as is. Uh, No exorcism for me, okay? All right, now let me return to Alfonso. I am back. 
Um, you, you later appeared in the series uh, Queen of the South, playing uh, Javier Jimenez. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that show. Your, your co-star Veronica Falcone, uh, who plays Camila Vargas, is also in the cast of Ozark's final season. She's quite the presence on the screen. Yes, she's a great actress. She's one of the best actresses uh, in Latin America, and it was beautiful to share a set with her uh, one more time. I just have uh, the possibility of sharing set with her on the last episode, or one of the last episodes of Queen of the South in the third season. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great. It was great. And I, I love her. She's always great. And she she's a very committed actress that uh, she always delivers. And, and the result is there. She's great in Ozark, too. Okay. Well, Alfonso, you've also portrayed a number of uh, well, I mean, you have per- portrayed a number of outlaws on the big and small screen, but I-, I wanted to get this in. You've also voiced very sweet animated characters, too, such as in the Lorax, Minions, and DC League of Super Pets. It must be nice to have a change of pace, you know, and play something a bit lighter from time to time. Oh, yes, and especially to to share that with my kids. I have two kids. One is five years old. The mm-hmm. other one is one year and a half. Well, the little one, he is not... Uh, he doesn't understand that much, but the five-year-old, he... He is enjoying all that process where his dad is giving a voice to an animated character. So I enjoy that. I enjoy that too. A lot. A lot. Okay. Well, um, let, me, let me close with this because I know you got all sorts of stuff to do. Uh, I understand you're shooting the new Zack Snyder film, Rebel Moon, and I'm guessing it's all top secret stuff, you know, NSA like security. So I won't ask you much about the plot because I don't want to be followed on, you know, my phone's tapped. But I read it is supposed to take 117 days of filming. That's a lot of craft services to take advantage of. So you got to love that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's a lot of food, man. But, um,. But yes, I'm right here in LA. Uh, we are, we are um, I'm part of that project, and I'm so excited and happy to be part of this cast and crew. And, um, and I hope to talk a bit more in the future. Uh, but yeah, I'm delighted to be, to be here being part of this project. Yeah, I'm pumped to see this, that, that project for sure. So, all right. Well, let, let me say again, if, if there are any humans out there who have not already seen season four of the Netflix series Ozark, I am recommending that you immediately drop whatever you're doing and devour the full season now as it's well worth your time. So thank you so much for checking in with us. No, thank you. Thank you for your time. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Have a great day. You too, Mr. Alfonso Herrera. This is the Spud Goodman Show. That should be fun. I think I'll try that. How about some more music? This tune is by the Seattle band Oliver's Elf Army and was released in 2020. Here is Young Riddles.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Spud, your last guest, E.G. Daly, is ready to go on the line. Uh, you know, you're going to need to tell me who she is. Of course I do. Yeah. Um, E.G. is an actress and singer who has done some really cool projects over the years. I mean, she was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, for God's sakes. I mean, that alone is enough to cement her in showbiz history. Oh, I enjoyed her in the movie Valley Girls, too. She has a lot of spunk. Valley Girls. Is that about the women of the Donner Party who traveled through the valley of the Great Salt Lake Desert? That is quite a story. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Uh, no. No, Valley Girls had nothing to do with the Donner Party, okay? E.G. has a new song out, and that's why she's on the show. It's, it's, uh, it's on a Go-Go's tribute album. A Go-Go's tribute album. What are the Go-Goers? Did you, do you even know the answer to that? Look, I don't have the time to give you the, the, the history of the Go-Go's right now if, you don't, if you're not aware. Jeez. Just put E.G. through, please. Okay, here she is. Welcome to the show, singer and actress E.G. Daly. Uh, we appreciate you coming on our show. Well, thanks for having me, bud. Absolutely. So, you have a song on an album coming out on Sympathy Records, If You Got a Go-Go, Go-Go Now, a tribute to the Go-Go's. Yeah, uh, you chose to cover the tune We Got the Beat, and you did it justice as we're going to play a bit of it when we're done here. Awesome. Yeah, that's such a monumental go-go song. I had to tackle that one, and it it just worked. Yeah, it just worked. Super happy with it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other bands on the record, The Heels, has performed live on our show. Uh, we love them. Uh, I believe they do a skid marks on my heart. So uh, my question is, how, how did this project come about? I'm, I'm really curious. You know, um, I know this guy, Travis, um, Travis Raymond, and he um, he plays with Josie Cotton, and we had been staying in touch about some stuff, and um, and then he just, I don't know, he just, um, just called him, I can't remember exactly, we started talking about some other stuff, but then he just um, asked me if I wanted to be part of this Go-Go tribute album that they were working on for the sympathy for the record industry, um, and I was like, I would love to, and then he was like, what song would you want to do, and I was and he told me, like, all the cool people that were going to be on it, and I was, like, thrilled. So I picked We Got the Beat, and luckily nobody had picked it yet. I was like, oh, my God, that's the song, you know, for me. E.G., you, you have a lengthy list of credits over the years in film, TV, and animation, but I have to start with the role that billions of people still remember you as, Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a film that should have won a ton of Academy Awards in 1985, because, you know, if Green Book in 2018 won a freaking Oscar, you guys should have won at least Best Screenplay or something. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God, that movie. Yeah, I mean, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is just such an iconic cult, pop culture hit. And, you know, of course, anything you do that's sustained for decades like that is like, you're, you're so, I feel so blessed to get to be in something that's sustained through time. And Valley Girl was the same thing. With Valley Girl, it's got 30 years on them and, you know, the Rugrats have 30 years. Like, it's just so, um, and... It's just so awesome to get to be a piece of something like that, a piece of art and work. And it had, like, the cat, the director, Tim Burton, the cast. Like, it was just such a great thing to get to be part of, let alone, you know, have it be 
stay through time like this. You know, it just it's rock people to roll through time. Yeah. Really great. I would agree with the term art because it, it, to me it's a masterpiece. But um, it really is. Yeah. Do, do you ever run into or hang out with Paul Rubens or any of the cast members these days? Yeah, I do actually. I just had lunch with um, the woman uh, Diane who plays uh, Francis, the French, not Francis, the French, um, the French woman in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually um, talked to Paul Rubens. Um, and we connect, and when it's my birthday, he calls all day long. He sends me these beautiful texts on my birthday. He's very sweet, and we we stay friends, and we see each other and do stuff together at cons once in a while. So I do have a great friendship with Paul Rubens, and I'm super grateful. Yeah. You know, even now, I think a sequel would be really cool. I, I read he still has a couple of, of Pee-wee scripts for projects that were never produced, but yeah, I, fingers crossed. So anyway, all right. Well, let, let me hit you with this. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. We'll see. Paul's always up to something new, so we'll see what happens. Ah, wow, that'd be very cool. Uh, Spud? What? Well, I need to cut in here and voice my opinion on that Pee-wee Herman. Uh, he was a very bad influence on our children. In his show, it seemed so wholesome on the surface, but underneath it, there were inappropriate things on the screen. EG, just give me a minute here. Dude, I will not allow you to say anything critical of the Pee-wee franchise, okay? I I own the complete set of Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, copies of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, and Big Top Pee-wee. I even bought a copy of Blow, too. An underrated movie, by the way. Well, count me in as a big Paul Rubens fan. What a talented man. Okay, yes, he was a terrible role model for our children, especially little boys. Do do they really need to see someone with more makeup on than Charo? I don't think Pee-wee ever picked up a gun or committed one act of violence on the screen. Maybe in Blow, though. I'll, I'll have to watch it again. But just let me finish this up with E.G. Uh, fine, but please knock off with the peewee worship. It's disturbing to a lot of people. Well, you know, you've had a major career in voice acting, uh, of course. Uh, it would take me an hour to, or at least maybe two hours, to go over all the roles you've played over the years. I'll toss out a few. Uh, Buttercup from the Powder Powerpuff Girls. Uh, Powderpuff Girls, excuse me. Tommy Pickles and Rugrats. Powerpuff, yeah, Powerpuff. Yeah, Powerpuff, excuse me. Um, you voiced the role of Babe in the film. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But um, I know the job isn't easy, but is it the greatest gig in show business? Yes, it is, baby. It's great. I mean, it's great because, you know, for one, it gets seen all over the world. It makes people happy. Animation really taps into a lot of different people. And um, it takes so little time to do an episode. You go in and you record an episode in, in like 15 minutes sometimes or an hour. And, and so it doesn't take a lot of time. So it's really just, and it's fun. You get to work with fun people and then... When it comes out, you get to see yourself uh, transformed into a cartoon. I mean, it's such a blast. I mean, there's nothing not to like about it. You really don't have to show up, you know, a couple of hours early for makeup and wardrobe, do you? I mean... No, you don't. You can wear your pajamas. Yeah. You have to have your makeup. And these days, since COVID, you basically work out of your own home booth, so you just don't have to... You don't have to... You don't have to leave at all. You can just be in your own booth and work from there, so it's... I mean, that's, I don't like that as much as I like inter- interacting with the 
directors and all mm-hmm. the people. But now since COVID, we're kind of doing that. But it's just it's an awesome job and it's fun most of all. Well, for you, I got to ask you this: Do they for the gigs that you've been involved in? Do they still have a craft services table? Because that, to me, would be the reason to show up for work every day. I was, you know, some right? actors. What's your favorite snack on a craft service table? Oh gosh. Uh, well, if they have a chocolate fountain, that's always nice to hang out on all day. Um, I don't know. There you go. I don't know. There you go. Or, yeah, that's true. They always have some kind of donut or bagel. Yeah, um, we don't really have craft services. Oh, they, I guess they do. Yeah, when I do a res, when I do an animation, sometimes they'll have bagels and coffee and tea, so that's always nice. But um, when you do a movie, then it's a lot more extravagant. Right, you right, right. Film, and it's like all kinds of snacks. Yeah. Ah, you gotta love it. Well, I know you gotta go, so let me say again. You have a song on an album coming out on Sympathy Records. If you got a go-go, go-go now. A tribute to the go-go's. You cover the tune, We Got the Beat, uh, and we're gonna play it right a bit of it right now. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Check out the video, too. Yeah. All right, there you have it, Miss E.G. Daly. Thanks so much. Midway, the most exciting motion picture event of the year. You are surrounded with the sights, sounds, and actual sensations of naval combat in Academy Award-winning Sensorround. Earthquake. A skyscraper falls, freeways collapse, a city crumbles. You feel it as well as see it in Sensorama. Now, Robert De Niro creates a terrifying portrait of life on the edge of madness in Martin Scorsese's controversial new film, Taxi Driver. In Academy Award-winning Sensorama. Suddenly the earthquake hits, and now you see what happens to each one of these groups during the earthquake. In Sensorama. People are at war. So am I. An Academy Award-winning Sensorround. First there was Dirty Harry. An Academy Award-winning Sensorround. Then Magnum Force. An Academy Award-winning Sensorround. And now, Clint Eastwood is back as the dirtiest Harry of them all, the Enforcer. An Academy Award-winning Sensorround. Earthquake in Sensorround. It's like living through an actual earthquake. Rated PG. Earthquake. Rated PG. Sights and sounds of naval combat so real you will feel it in Academy Award-winning Sensorama. That taxi driver's been staring at us. James Kahn, Robert Duval, in Sam Peckinpah's The Killer Elite, rated PG.
suddenly the earthquake hits. Rated PG. That was Network Radio. This is Network Radio Today. CBS is beautiful. Oh, what it can do. CBS is beautiful. It makes your advertising dreams come true. You talking to me? You talking to me? Who the hell else are you talking? You talking to me? This is Bob Hope saying if NATO wasn't here, maybe we wouldn't be here either. An Academy Award winning sense around. My, how time flies. Excuse me here, but I would appreciate it if everyone would refrain from making jokes about Chance's involvement in the furry community. I think enough has been said. And who is to say what is weird or what is normal? Yes! I will be the one, Mrs. Jarvitz, to stand up and say so much of what's going on these days is weird and not normal. Like, uh, what is with the neck tattoos people are sporting these days? Uh, or, or please explain Megan the Stallion? That's a singer, right? How can a woman call herself a horse? Hello. I'm Mr. Red. I mean, what is going on? Uh, Megan is a very successful hip-hop artist, okay? Uh, She does not claim to be a horse. You really need to to get out more. And even if Megan prefers to be a horse in her private life, who are you to judge, Gerald? I don't think that our founding fathers were concerned with people pretending they're animals in the writing of the Constitution. It's time that we as a society said enough is enough. I think China is setting a good example in taking any effeminate appearing male celebrities off the air on uh, TV or in their movies too. Uh, What the world needs right now is a big dose of testosterone. You know, men being men. I know women would be very grateful everywhere if we could correct this situation. And it only makes common sense. Uh, yeah, just what women need. More obnoxious frat bros everywhere with non-stop high fives. <laughs> Spud, they're saying we have a caller wants to speak with you. Should I tell him to put it through? Yeah, t- tell Trevor to put it through. What the hell? Ca- caller, uh, are you there? I'm on the air right now. Uh, yeah, you are. Okay. So I totally agree with, uh, I think his name is Greg. Uh, we need to do something about what's happening in our schools right now. They're turning our boys into sissies, or worse, into what I think are called uh, hybrid people, or part male and part female. It has got to stop. Uh, Caller, uh, where did you uh, hear about hybrid people? Because I've never seen or read anything about it, okay? Never. Well, then I, I tell you, you've had your eyes closed to it. Check out YouTube, Facebook, or even better, uh, Rumble and Parlor, and you'll learn all about it. That millionaire George, uh, the, the billionaire George 
Soros is paying millions for oh, these Soros. sex change okay. operations in our elementary that schools. That one, huh? Yeah. You know, it's like, get them before they're old enough to understand how wrong this is. It's <laughs> jack what you're saying. Uh, you know, I've read and seen so much about that George Soros. He, he's like Dr. Frankenstein. Come paying on. Te- yeah, paying teachers to indoctrinate our children to become uh, who knows what. Uh, you know, uh, caller, I'll have to do my research on those hybrid people you're referring to. But I'll tell you, it doesn't surprise me at all. I may dress up as a pony and sometimes as a dragon, but I take my costumes off after our furry conventions. We're not interested in becoming hybrid people. That sounds really boring. Who was that? Is that the furry guy? He sounds like a real sicko. What's his name? Caller, my chance is not a sicko. He is so much more of a man than you will ever be. I sense you have some real issues with your own sexuality. Did you get shortchanged with the equipment down there? What? Who was that? Are you the older lady dating a furry kid? I can assure you, I'm way more than well endowed if you're interested. No problems there. I promise you. But I'm not calling about me. I want to thank Greg for trying to stand up for what's right. Dude, it's got to be difficult being surrounded by all those lids. Uh, well, it's Gerald, and thank you for your concern. I will continue to speak up for traditional values because it's not too late to stop this hybrid people thing. Dude, you should shut off the spigot spewing this garbage you're fed 24-7 by the normal outlets, the usual outlets that you seem to consume all day long. I mean, I don't... You and this caller are really going to feel stupid when you later learn it's all been a big scam to get you all riled up. This in our pants yet? Oh, you can say whatever you want all day long, and it will not change my mind, Spud. I know the truth. And listen, you may mean well, but you are misinformed. Can we hang up on this douchebag? Let's have a toast for the douchebags. Uh, caller, I think the votes are in, and you're going to have to go now. I'd... I'd like to say thanks for calling in, but I just can't, in good conscience, say it. So anyway, later. Dump this guy, please. Thank you. Hey, but I, I wanted. Oh, see, that was uncalled for, Spud. Oh. That caller was spot on about what's going on in our society. He shined the spotlight on George Soros's hybrid people operation now underway. Yeah, apparently, okay. you, you know, I don't think you can handle the truth. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Yeah, I guess not. Uh, Just let me wrap up this episode, if you don't mind. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. And caller, if you're still listening, send me a friend request on Facebook. It's Gerald Holcomb. Uh, Look me up, as I think we might hit it off. And yeah, caller, if you're still listening, go f*** yourself. 
The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, engineered by Trevor Jastad, and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio, associate producer TJ Pites, video director Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios, production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison, original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon, on-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan, copyright 2022 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking.